Welcome to Mom Made Plans Podcast. I'm Julie, mom of twins, and I'm here to bring you self-awareness-infused strategies to get you through the day without feeling so scattered. And today I am joined on the podcast by Robin Reynolds, who is a professional organizer and bringing us a ton of tips today, but not in the way you may think of actually organizing our stuff, but we're organizing our mindset and changing the root issues of why we have so much stuff to begin with. And her goal is to help you get your overabundance of stuff under control and give you the skills to maintain an organized home. So you can definitely check the show notes to see all of her amazing courses and resources to help you wherever you're at in the decluttering, organizing journey of your home. Um, But today is a really helpful kind of perspective on the idea of how much stuff we have. And you're going to walk away with some tips on what to do if you find yourself stuck in the trap of buying your kids stuff at the store when they keep complaining and you give in and you buy the thing or grandma comes over with a gift every time. So we're going through all of this as well as hang in there to the end because you don't want to miss some key steps at the end, including the psychology of the cocktail dress. I'm going to let that be. So it's super fascinating. So hang in there and listen in on that when it comes to decluttering our closet specifically. Okay, let's get into it and find out how to fix our problem of accumulating too much stuff in our house. All right. I'm so excited to have you here, Robin, before we get into talking about our overwhelming houses with all of the stuff and how we kind of shift our mindset here. I wanted to have you introduce yourself so we know a little about you. Okay, thanks. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm Robin Reynolds, and my company is Organized to Harmonize. I'm a certified professional organizer based in the LA area, but we help people in person and virtually. And I've been in business for 15 years, shifting a little bit to include digital courses, um, which I'm very excited about. And I'm, I'm also writing a book. <laughs> wow, you are busy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's, there's a lot of work to be done with dealing with all of our stuff. So <laughs> absolutely it requires a lot of help. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm excited to do this approach today because you guys know like clutter has such an impact on our levels of anxiety in our home and how we interact with our family. And that's a whole thing of how we go through decluttering. But I wanted to have this conversation with you guys to hear more about the sort of mindset shift and where we're coming from to fix some of the core issues of how we're getting all this stuff in our house. Right. So that's what we're going to get into today. And Robin, before we recorded today, we had talked previously. And I love this idea that you had shared about its kind of indulgences of all the things we're bringing into our home. Yeah. And that it's really like a generational thing. And so it can be like us caving at the store and buying the toy or the candy at checkout or um, realizing grandma comes over with a gift every single time or is just sending yes. things all the time. 
Can you share with us a little bit about this idea of maybe where some of these habits or things we're doing are coming from? Sure. No, definitely. I always say that we live in an abundant society and we bring in, we get way more than we get rid of, you know, and for some reason, there's a notion that when people visit, they need to bring a kid a toy or something. And I don't understand that. And I don't know why. Personally, for me, I think it's also parenting because, you know, if you teach or you're showing your child that, you know, so-and-so comes over and they're always bringing a toy, they're going to expect that forever, you know, no matter how old they are, whether they're five or 15. It's just that as they get older, the toys get more expensive and more (laughs) indulgent, you know. Um, And, you know, every time you go into the store, no matter what it is, everybody wants, we all want stuff. We see stuff we want all the time, but we don't buy everything, but yet we will allow our kids to have it, you know, or I'll see moms. I saw somebody in the store the other day and she kept saying, no, no, no. And the kid finally just wore her down and she was like, fine. And, you know, you keep doing that and it just sets you up for failure in so many ways, you know, and then it just clutters your house with more stuff. Cause the reality is most kids will play with something for like two weeks and then never go back to it again. They have a very short attention span when it comes to toys. So, or anything that they have. So they, you know, it's kind of like a waste. And I always tell my clients, if they, if, you know, grandma and grandpa feel the need to bring anything, bring a check, bring a receipt, put that money into a 529. College is not cheap. My kid's in college now. It is ridiculous the amount of money that college costs. And most people are not getting a full ride or even a partial ride to college. So, you know, depending on how old your kid is, when my daughter was born, somebody told me, oh, by the time she goes to college, it's going to be about a quarter of a million dollars. She's 19 now. And I was like, that is insane. Like, you're ridiculous. That makes no sense. Well, guess what? The average college, if you go to a private university, is about seventy to $80,000 now. Oh, my God. So That's it kind of is, you know, quarter of a million dollars or more. Yikes. Oh. I know it's in, it's nuts when you think about it. It is, yeah. And we're spending all that before we even get there on all this random stuff we're buying along the way. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So imagine every $20, every $10, everything that, you know, when somebody comes to visit, you know, and they're always everybody wants to have a birthday party every year and then they get a ton of stuff that one you have to either deal with in your house Or, you know, there was one time my daughter had a small party because I don't do those big or didn't do those big, huge parties. But literally the toys, her birthday's in August, the toys were sitting in a bag in her room in December. And I gave them all to Toys for Tots. Because if you weren't playing with them in four months, you don't need them. Yeah. I like I literally have, I think, some PTSD of my kids' um, fifth birthday party because I hadn't really done one. We did one for the first did one for the fifth and it was more of a bigger one and the sheer volume of presents even though I did the thing of like hey you don't need to bring a present you can bring a donation for the food bank or whatever like I tried to do the alternative yeah but people feel obligated yes it does not work so (laughs) being out there like it doesn't work (laughs) Um, yeah well hopefully with family it'll work a little bit better (laughs) yes it needs to like change the whole 
yeah, don't open the opportunity to invite a ton of people to come and just right. bring stuff. Yeah. And um, then people have party every single year and that just is more indulgence, you know, and it sends a wrong message to the child that, you know, they can't wait for Christmas or Hanukkah or their birthday or whatever it is because they just get this influx of stuff. And I think it would be helpful to be more... I mean, we're all about intentionality over here, but maybe it is like, you know, how there's themes for the birthday party. So maybe it's the theme of like, hey, we want to take them on a monthly trip to a different ice cream shop or restaurant. Here's some like gift card ideas for places where we'll go or like come up with some sort of theme that's not just toys. Yeah. But that's a good idea, especially when it comes to the grandparents, because if you ask, even think about it for yourself. Do you remember what your grandmother brought you for your fifth birthday? No, but you're going to remember if grandma took you to the ice cream shop and you had a day in the afternoon that you spent with her and went to the park after and did this, that, the other thing. But you don't remember the stuff. Yeah, it's so true. People remember experiences. They don't remember things. Yeah. Things are just things. It's every single thing is replaceable, but the experiences you can't replace. You can't go back and say, Oh, okay. Well, my kid's 19 now. Let's go back to when she was five and let's go, let's do this, that, or the other thing. You know, once time has passed, it's gone. Yeah. And I think that's a powerful way, again, to be strategic, especially with grandparents or family members like that. I'm like, Hey, what do you remember to turn the tables to be like, do you yes. remember the gifts or do you remember that? What are, what's most valuable? What do you want to talk about? It's sharing that memory of when we did this together as a kid. Exactly. I want you to have that with my children. Like, yeah, to really play into that, I think is powerful. So yeah, this is um, hugely helpful just to realize what we're doing and to stop just doing it for the sake of yeah. everyone just brings gifts and we get frustrated, but it's like, okay, to understand this is what's happening and how do we change it. And that's where I kind of wanted to dig like a layer deeper in this of really the root, figuring out the root issue of why we get upset at our relatives for bringing gifts and doing things, but then we're doing the same thing ourselves with like right. the store and buying the stuff. So like, why are we personally filling our homes and allowing stuff to constantly come in? Even though we're frustrated, we're still, we're doing it all the time. Like what, what's the root? issue here? Well, I mean, first of all, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist, you know, so I just play one on TV. No kidding. (laughs) But, you know, just as a, just as a side, you know, so this is just all my personal opinion, but I really do believe that it comes down to parenting. You know, people just don't like to say no, and they just would rather give in than deal with a cranky kid or a crying kid. It's kind of like just appeasing the situation just to deal with it as opposed to really really putting their foot down and handling the situation. So it's kind of like putting a Band-Aid on something that needs stitches, Yeah, you know, because if you do it, you know, it's kind of like yourself, like, uh, what can I equate it to? Let's just say you join the gym. You never go to the gym. But you're like, I'm motivated now. I'm going to do it. You buy that membership, you never go. But you have to force yourself to go. And once you get into the habit, then it's like nothing. Then you actually enjoy going. So you have to do the same thing with saying no or putting a stop to getting something all the time. And just, you know, the more that you do it, 
because kids will test you. I don't care who you are. Kids will test you. And I noticed that because it's like, they'll cry, cry, cry. Oh, I get attention if I cry. Oh, okay. Let me continue to cry. Yeah. You know, so they know how to manipulate. And even it may not be a conscious thing, they are still doing it. Yeah. Well, it's learned. Yeah. It's learned behavior. You get a reward and you just keep going. And so I think that's where it comes back to where we started here with the, with the expectation. Like once the habit is formed, they're like, okay, I'm in a store. I just yeah. need to say I want things and eventually I'm going to end up with something. That's exactly. The logical, you can't be mad at them for coming to that conclusion because that's what happens every right. time. And that's what they're used to. Yeah. That's what the, that's the pattern of behavior. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's come, it's a, a human nature to just go with the pattern of behavior. It's like, if, what is it cause and effect? If I do this and I get that, then if that's the thing I like, then I'm going to keep doing it so I can get that. <laughs> right. So it's time to go back and do that, that hard work. I'm like, okay, this is going to be hard for a month of like changing patterns, but realizing the benefits and realizing yeah. like that it's on us and not just blaming our kids yes. for being so needy and whining. Exactly. Well, we have a role in it too. Exactly. Totally. Or you just leave the kids home when you're going shopping. <laughs> that's that's an option. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever possible, that is always the dream. <laughs> yeah. So it's like figuring out what is going to work, planning ahead of time before you go to the store. Mm-hmm. How are you going to handle it? What is a potential other reward or just explanation of like, hey, this is not how it works. I'm sorry. I've given you the wrong expectation of what shopping looks like and even to verbalize like hey I really want this thing like I really want this cute pillow but I'm saying no to myself as well today because that's just not in the plan like I think even verbalizing when we're denying ourselves of things at times yeah is for them to hear that you're also your needs or your wants change you don't need the, it's easy when they're little because it, you know, they market to kids. It's like, you know, the minute the holidays come, all you see are toy commercials. Yeah. You know, so it's easy to want, want, want. But then as you get older, you realize that you don't need all that stuff and you don't want it. You just really kind of want the bare minimums or maybe not the bare minimum, but you know, you're not as indulgent, but somehow it reverts back when you become a parent And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, people always want their kids to have more than they have sometimes, or maybe they, you know, feel that things replace their, if they work a lot, their attention, you know, so who knows the reasons that people do the things that they do. Yeah. And it's worth just having a a moment to think through and pause for yourself what, what those might be. Are you just eating behaviors because your parents always did it? Are you feeling guilty? You're not spending enough time to you're doing that. Like it's definitely a worthwhile pursuit to stop and analyze and figure out for yourself if you want to break those habits to understand why you're doing it for sure. In the end, you know, there are also going to be those people that just don't care. They're just going to do what they want to do anyway. But the thing Mm -hmm. is, is that, you know, when they're five, it may be a Lego or cars, you know, like toy cars and stuff. But the older that they get, the wants become, oh, no, I want the Apple Watch. I want the iPad. I want the car. No, I want this car. I don't want that car. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so there are all different, you know, the, the wants or the asks that just become bigger and bigger. Yeah. And that's something powerful to think about. Like, what do you want those conversations to look like down the road? Right now yeah. you're having it with a three-year-old or a five-year-old and debating about the little toy car. Exactly. And, oh, they want the really expensive one. Like, how do you want this to go later? Like, you want to be able to have the conversation and be like, okay, we've learned that it's not um, an inherent right to get the best possible right. option of anything. Like, that we enjoy and value? What are we actually going to use? If they really want something and you don't want to give it to them, maybe create a way for them to earn it, whether it's doing chores or whatever it is. But, you know, because there's value. The whole point of school and all this stuff is to teach them for their brains to work in certain ways and to learn lessons. And you want to teach them you know, that they don't just ask and receive, they have to work for it. Because the reality in life is, you have to work for everything that you get, no matter what it is. So if they can earn it, then they might appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah. And I think that's a good balance to have. Like there's times where we want to just bless and give because we want to. But there's also... I think a larger portion where they need to learn the value and that, yeah, it takes, there's not endless money that things cost money and right. to work for it and earn it, that they are, I think that's kind of an issue in the generation now in the workforce of like disentitlement and oh yeah, you get whatever. And so <laughs> that's where you have to stop and be like, okay, what are the lessons they've been learning growing up to make them get to that point that they have yeah. completely missed? the value of working for something and earning something and waiting for something, not because everything is at their fingertips. You know, literally you want something to eat, you want to order something, you could have it basically within an hour, pretty much anything, even a car, (laughs) you know, you could just order it online and then it'll show up at your house. So, you know, technology has changed the way that we need to parent and look at things, you know, unfortunate part is there's so much good about technology, but then there's so much bad about it also. Mm -hmm. You know, the pros and cons. Yeah. And I think that's a valid point for ourselves too. In the parent side of things, that whole instant gratification that we have Amazon and we have DoorDash and all the things that we can so easily get something without waiting, that it's harder to tell ourselves no and harder to be like, do I really need this? Let me sit with this and think about it. Right. Like driving to a store to get it when it's right. so easy to just order. That's how we end up with the overabundance and we're indulging because it's so easy. So right. It's like how do we make it harder? <laughs> for yeah. Ourselves? And the thing that happens is people will sit there and order stuff instead of buying it. But then when they don't want the stuff that they've ordered, they don't end up sending it back. In a timely fashion, they miss the window and then they're stuck with it and then they don't do anything with it. So that brings more stuff into the house, which stuff they didn't want, didn't need, didn't fit, but it's still sitting there until someone like me comes over and it's like, then they just have to make a decision about it. So it's just, it's, it's such a uh, vicious cycle of the stuff that's coming in, you know, because it really just doesn't go out as fast, no matter what it is. Whether it's, you know, whether you live alone and with no kids or whether you have kids, whether you have one or 10 kids, it's still the vicious cycle. Yeah, definitely unending. And so I think this is 
just an important piece to, so you're not like consistently in that cycle of like, okay, you declutter some stuff and then you end up right back where you were with your house full of stuff. Like if you actually right. need to deal with this, this is where we're having this conversation today to be like, okay, how do we really deal with some of these root issues and awareness of like your buying habits and feeling guilty about like you have to get the kid yeah they want that they're crying about and are there any tangible steps of like if we're sitting here realizing oh man this is me I've made some bad choices and I've gotten myself in this situation where the expectation is receiving stuff all the time and my house is a mess like realizing like next time we go into the store next time we Mm -hmm. have Amazon open like how do we break the cycle like what are some tangible like is there a question to ask yourself before you make a purchase or yeah what can we do well I always think that it's always best to say do I really need this you know regardless of what it is you know whether it's a toy for the kid another clothes you know piece of clothing because that's another thing kids will tend to especially when they're younger have a ridiculous amount of clothes you know from Mm. baby from infant to toddler you know, from like zero to five, because again, people give, you know, they're so cute when they're little, the little clothes and everything, and it's easy to buy. But, you know, really ask yourself, do I need this? You know, and even for yourself, when you go shopping, you know, that's why when I organize things for people, I have it all color coded in this, you know, one particular way so that people can actually see what they own. And if you do the same thing with kids' clothes, then you'll know, oh, well, they don't need 10 more, you know, T-shirts that have, you know, uh, whatever character on them. They've got enough. So when you actually know what you have, if you keep your home organized, you'll know what you actually own. And then you'll know whether or not it's something that you need to buy the next time. Because the reality is people don't know what they have, which is why they're always buying the same thing over and over again. Or they can't find what they have, which is why they're buying it over and over again. No matter what, we're buying it over and over <laughs> too many times. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, there's a multitude of, of benefits to having an organized home, but these are just a couple. It just saves you from buying the same things over and over and knowing exactly where something is. Yeah. which is That's really the main thing. reason that people buy excess stuff, you know? Why there are 10 pairs of scissors in the house, you know, why there are whatever. Almost an an inventory of just really paying attention to what you have and like looking at the clothes and organizing your kids stuff to see, oh, wow, I I was like thinking they had maybe three or four cars and really they have 15, but they're just scattered everywhere and you don't realize it. And so I think that can be a great first step to really understand the volume and quantity of a particular item or category of item. Right. And then when you ask yourself, do I need that? Because it's always, that's what I would say. It's not about complicated systems. It's about the simple steps that make your life easier. And so it may seem silly to be like, do I need this? But like, really, do you to stop, make yourself pause and not right, right. buy? Like, do I literally need this? Or is it just going to bring me so much joy that I know, like, this is not temporary. I will still love this a year from now. Like, maybe that's another thing. Will I love it a year from now? And do I really, really need it? 
Yeah. Yeah. Because the interesting thing is when I work with clients, we'll go through stuff and they're like, I don't want that. And I'm like, well, you liked it at one point, you know, yeah. but they're looking at it like it's the plague. Like I would never <laughs> wear that. And But it's just funny how either your taste changed or when you thought you liked it, you didn't. And that's why you really have to look at something and be like, do I really like this? Do I look good in this or whatever it is? Does it really fit my home, you know, for the style, for the color, whatever? Because there are all things that we like, but it may not necessarily work with what we already have. Yeah. And I think that brings up a great other nuance of keeping things out of guilt because we paid for it and we thought we liked it and we brought it in and we're like, eh maybe I'll like it better next week. Maybe I'll try it with this other pants. Like right now I've got a couple of shirts. I'm like, man, I got two of each of these styles. And I'm like, oh, they're just a little shorter than I thought. They're not right. right." And I'm like, great. Now I've got these shirts. But it's like, once I replace them, those need to go out to not just because of guilt, we keep things hanging around and that just adds to the clutter. And it's like, how do we release ourselves from yeah. Well, let me this? respond to that regarding guilt on things. One, you mentioned price. You mentioned what you thought, you know, um, that you had a different, uh, several of the same thing. When it comes to price, there's two words. I had a client one time and every purse she had was probably at least $500 or more. And she had a lot of them and she didn't want them anymore. The only way to get away from that is either stop buying expensive stuff or be okay with it for the time that you had it. So I literally tell somebody to break it down. So if you had that purse for a year and it was $500, that $500 divided by 12 months is $60. Then you go down, you know, just keep breaking it down to the point that that item is now pennies per day or a dollar per day or something for the time that you had it. So you got your money's worth. And then, of course, something like that these days, you can try and sell stuff like that. But when it comes to other things, that, oh, I thought I liked this or I don't like this anymore. Is there a way that maybe you can have it altered to fit you? Or there are people that will reconstruct garments. Say it's a long sleeve and you want it to be a short sleeve now. Is it worth it for you to do that? Because you really like, say, the pattern of the blouse. So try and rework it if you can, because then you'll at least, one, you'll end up with something kind of new again Mm -hmm. and something that you'll actually wear. And then it kind of lets go of that guilt. But the biggest thing with guilt is, you know, you bought it, even if you wore it once, then that was just one expensive wear. Because, you know, like an evening dress or a cocktail dress, we don't usually go to a whole lot of those things. Often people will buy a new one for each event, especially if um, it's the same group of people, but then be okay with it. Like this is just my entertainment for that night. This dress, it's $150 and I'm just going to be okay with that. That doesn't mean that you can't get rid of it or that you can't keep it because other things may come up. But go back to your closet again and see like, oh, well, I wore this one for that. So maybe I can wear this one this time instead of buying something new. Yeah, that's so fascinating with psychology though, that again, expectation, we buy that dress knowing we're probably going to wear it once, maybe a handful of times, and we're willing to spend that on one wear. But another thing, we spend considerably less, most likely, than a cocktail yes. dress. We wear it once and we're like, oh, no, I can't get rid of it, even though I don't like it, because 
I just paid for it. And right. so it's just fascinating that our expectations around our clothes determine whether we, how we feel about keeping it or getting rid of right. it. Right. And you know what's really interesting in relation to that? People that are in a ton of weddings, they keep those bridesmaids dresses, even though they're awful, but then they keep the dresses. And it's like, yes, you spent money on them, but are you ever going to wear that dress again? Because it's like, well, I can't get rid of it. And it's like, why not? Yeah. You're never going to wear it again. But, you know, and the same thing with wedding gowns. It's so funny because literally you'll never wear that wedding gown again. Even if you renewed your vows, you're going to buy something new to wear. Yes. You know, so instead of restoring it, then, you know, figure out a way to either cut it down and make it a regular kind of dress or make it a christening outfit or something because we sit here spending all this money preserving dresses that for what? Yeah. In the hopes that if we have a daughter or a daughter-in-law that they're going to want to wear that dress. So not happening. (laughs) That, that usually does not happen. It's rare. Yes. Very rare. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but we bank our whole mindset <laughs> that that is definitely happening. And now it's worth yes. spending all this money and taking up all this space because... And look at the price of wedding gowns. I mean, they could be tens of thousands of dollars for some. It's crazy. So this is this is our wake-up call, you guys. <laughs> like, what... <laughs> if you were talking to someone else and this was their home and their outfit, like, what would you say? You're like That's a good point because it's always easier to give someone else advice than it is for you to take your own advice. So pretend yeah. you're giving someone else the advice, but you're taking it yourself. Yes. So that I feel like is our takeaway for today and all these things. Make it like it's your friend and kind of put yourself out of it and be like, what would you tell your friend to do? Like, don't buy the kid the toy. Just they're going to cry for two more minutes and it'll be over. Like, just get through. Exactly. What would you say? And like, you don't wear that. Go find something else. It looks good. Like, so I think that it can be very freeing to. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I have clients often tell me and they're like, I hear you in my head when I go to do X, Y, and Z. I was like, okay, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Then you're learning something. You're learning. If If you're actually hearing me, then you're actually learning. And that's the whole point. Yes. I love it so much. This is. So helpful just to kind of recap here for you guys of the journey of just realizing some things are just habits that we're bringing in more stuff, whether it's our family members or ourselves, like we've just developed a habit and given our kids this expectation that this is what happens. Mm -hmm. And it's just time to shift our own expectations for our stuff and what we keep that is completely irrational, but we think makes much sense. And so just, yeah, changing our perspective on what we're doing and our expectations to just make the shift that we don't keep adding so much stuff to our house. And we love you, Robin, and need your need your help, but we don't want to have to need you every single year and keep. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep our goal up. is always to transfer <laughs> skills to the client so that they can main- maintain it themselves. I mean, that is the goal. That is our job. Whether or not it happens is another story. Exactly. Yeah, I would love for you to share, though, because sometimes it is just, it's too overwhelming. It's too much stuff. And we are stuck. We can't get ourselves to flip the perspective like someone else. And we do need that other voice. And so we need someone who knows what they're doing, kind of get sense into us. Right, (laughs) right. So if they're like, all right, Robin, I need, I need some help. I'm drowning and stuff. 
please tell us a little bit more about, yeah, how you can help and, and what you do for us. Well, if it's in person, that's a whole different thing. Um, but virtually, we work with clients virtually. So we'll work over Zoom and I will give them a plan of what they can do. I also do coaching so that we'll have sessions every how often, whether it's every week, every other week. And then people will have homework in between for them to do the stuff because obviously I'm not there. But they can also um, get the courses that I've created on all different areas in the home from kitchens to offices to uh, when you're moving, how to have a seamless move. So there's and there's whole house courses. So to do your whole house. So you can do whatever. But to find out all that information, you can go to my website, which is organized to harmonize. And that's the number two. Or love you to follow me on Instagram, which is the same, organized to harmonize. And remember, that's the number two. Awesome. Yes, it's so helpful that you can pick and choose whichever room or area you're struggling with. Um, her courses yeah. cover it all. But will you leave us with, if we want to do some decluttering as well, we're already in this stuff. We're going to try and shift our mindset of bringing more, but we're already in the thick of it. Where's your recommendation to start? Is there a particular room or spot that you think we should start? I think you should start in whatever room bugs you the most. People and clients always ask me, where should we start? And I'm like, I don't live here. So what bugs you the most? So start in that one room and just remember what they say, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So you just have to start in one small area, whether it's the tabletop, whether it's a corner in the room, whatever, handle and deal with that area first and then go on to somewhere else. If you just keep going and taking a few things from here and a few things from over there, you're not going to see the progress and you're going to feel defeated because you think you're not getting anywhere. But if you actually start in one corner that has or one area that has a lot of the clutter, then you'll see the progress as you move along and it'll keep you motivated to go in another area and another area. And I would say finish one room first before you go on to another room, because again, you want to see the progress and know that it's possible and that you can do this. Then you'll be on a roll and you'll be ready to go. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much, Robin, for being here today and helping us. You're very welcome. It was my pleasure. And thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for hanging out with me on the podcast today, you guys. There were so many great takeaways and I hope you're feeling more encouraged about how to handle the overabundance of stuff in your home. Remember to filter it through like you are talking to a friend and giving them advice on what to do in the situation. So treat yourself like that and giving friend advice. And I think that will help you so much as you are trying to make decisions and change these patterns of behavior that is causing your house to get filled with stuff and your kids to expect to receive gifts and things all the time. All right, here's to making those changes. I'll see you next time.